Welcome to another episode. Actually, it's the Big 4-0, episode 40 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition. I'm your host, Taylor Ringgold. Griffin Warner, my co-host, is here and ready to go. Episode 40, ladies and gentlemen. That is a big milestone for the podcast. 40 episodes. Griff, how are we feeling on this uh, Tuesday afternoon? Uh, Tuesday afternoon. 40-40 club ESPN on the screen, you know. Um, it's just a big day all around. Thank you to all our supporters. Um, not a lot of thank yous to the Cleveland Guardians, uh, I got to say. Um Nice of them to, to give a charitable victory away to the Boston Red Sox, but I took another loss for my best bet. But I'm happy to say that uh, you salvaged uh, the Monday podcast with a nice victory on Chris Flexen and the Seattle Mariners, who are, you know, hanging around in that, that playoff race right now. Yes, Chris Flexen against Glenn Otto last night. I know that's not the most uh, exciting exciting pitching matchup but it got we got it got me intrigued because of you know you start off you end the first half 14 game winning streak and then you go into a nice homestand against the Astros and you get your ass kicked three game swept a sweep and I'm just like you know what I have a feeling this is going to be a bounce back to start off the series and Chris Flexen pitched six great innings clutch at bats almost blew the game in the ninth but we uh, the Mariners got done and got me another W. So solid, solid episode to start the week. We got more best bets at the end of the show, like we always do. And of course, we'll do our Wednesday card. And then we have fan questions and a little trade deadline talk intertwining with each other. So before we get into the fan questions, I'm going to go read ourselves a little promo here, Griff, and then we'll get right into it. How's that? Sounds good. All right, so have you guys signed up for pregame yet? Well, if you haven't, now is the time to do so. Guys, it's 40 episodes in. Sign up for pregame already. You've been listening this whole time? Sign up. Pregame.com will give you a free $25 site purchase just for signing up. It's easy as that. Signing up takes 90 seconds, and you could take advantage of being a site member by making and tracking your own picks. You can post your own picks and analysis in our pregame.com forums. Draw a following and become a valued member. Sign up today and receive a $25 site credit to purchase premium picks from one of pregame's very own professional handicappers. That happens to be my amazing co-host, Griffin Warner. He's right here. Get your free best bet today. Sign up for pregame.com. Go do it. All right, Griff. Our fan question this week happened to be working with our trade deadline talk so it kind of works together and it was about what's the updates with soto because now soto has a week left to figure out and the national to figure out what they're going to do with him now i do work in sports media and i do have a few friends i've made some friends over the years that work you have friends I do, Griff. I do. I have friends that work in the NFL. I, I thought the I was the only one. What the no, heck? No, Griff. Griff, no, unfortunately not. So let me let me just say this. With the source I have, I have sources in the NBA, in the NFL, and Major League Baseball probably most of all. My source, very reliable, says that the Cardinals are the front runners for Soto right now. I know I mentioned on a long, long um 
monologue about how I, I think the Yankees and Mets will be the teams and the Mets will be the front runners. I still believe the Mets will do this, but with the confidence I've been seeing through other sources and people have been saying like, Hey, it's going to be St. Louis. I don't know, man. I mean, can St. Louis do it? I think they can. They have a lot of nice prospects, uh, Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and, Matt Libertor, those are three big name prospects that the Cardinals seems like they're willing to give up for Soto. And imagine that, imagine that three through five, however you want to put it, Soto, Goldschmidt, Arenado. I mean, that's that's gonna be tough for the Brewers to beat if that happens. Yeah, that's an if. I mean, the the Mets and the Yankees were the favorites at least uh, when I saw some odds on bet online, but. Um, certainly things can change and you, you, you called it kind of the first time we brought this up, um, that they were going to send like 15 players over it seemed to me, um, I guess still possible, but, uh, I also feel like there's a possibility that the, the Nats might hold on to Soto if they don't get what they want. Certainly it's a desperation time, desperation zone right now for a lot of teams with the, uh, trade deadline coming up, but I'm, part of me is thinking it's going to be an off season deal. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing Juan Soto play for a team and play some baseball that actually matters. So he did have a nice ground ball triple last night, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I I, I keep forgetting, and I even said it last week, that he, he still has two years of control left. So it's not like walking next year. So the the Nationals, this is the opportunity. I would say this is the, the best opportunity now because, play, because teams that are willing to uh, deal – minor leaguers or even major league ready players that are playoff teams already, they're willing to give a lot. And I feel like this is the, the prime time to do it. Um, other news coming out, try deadline wise, Josh Bell, first baseman, switch hitting first baseman, first baseman. He's been on the trading block, another nationals player. His, I think that value is extremely high, very hard to find switch hitting hitters, switch hitting power hitters in the American league. And or, sorry, the national league, American league, the whole league. It's tough to find that. Uh, I've seen Wilson Contreras, who just played his last home game, potentially, in a Cubs uniform. Him and David Robertson are rumored to go maybe to the New York Mets for prospects, and that is not named Alvarez or Brett Beatty. So if you're Met fans and if you are looking into and you like the sound of that, that could happen. But are you willing to give up Ryan Mauricio, who is, I, I would say, the number three prospect in the Mets farm system? Awesome shortstop for a rental in Contreras because you have Alvarez coming up. David Robinson is finding the fountain of youth. Uh, I, personally, I would love to have Robertson in in pinstripes again for a third time's charm. Um, and also Ian Happ, another switch hitting outfielder. Um, Josh Bell and Ian Happ, two switch hitters, are on the market. And then also Tarek Skubal, left-handed pitcher for the Tigers, said they're willing to trade Schoolbull to, quote, just about everyone. So that's really interesting. I didn't even think of that. So those are the ones that kind of caught my eye uh, during this trade and like talk. And also, this is a mix of fan questions. So it's a, a, a little a big intertwine here. I know I just said a lot, but what do you think from all the little trade and like talk rumor stuff, Griff? Well, I, I love intertwining. Um, I am a little surprised to hear that Scooble is on the list. I feel like everyone is on the list and everyone is willing to be traded at all times. If you weren't, you'd be silly. 
but Scooble seems part of that kind of young rotation that Tigers have been trying to build for a while. So that's a problem. I mean, they probably need to get someone that can hit a baseball because you kind of need to do that. You can't win games nil-nil or zero-zero. Um, but I'm cu- very curious why they're pulling the plug on really the only Tigers young starter that has worked out so far. Matt Manning was a disaster. Um, I feel like others haven't lived up. Terry School is the only one that's been decent so far. Um, Spencer Turnbull has been a little bit shaky too. Well, and he hasn't pitched this year at all from what I remember. I think he's on right. recovering from Tommy John. So, I mean, maybe they think they have a lot of arms or they have a lot of depth in that in that rotation, but um, you got to start somewhere. And, I, I mean, I, it depends what they can get from him. But, I mean, I would love to see him going to a, a different organization that might better utilize that fastball that seems to just come down on a, a sinking plane that is going to be really hard for anybody to hit. But a uh, big problem in today's Major League Baseball is that the sinker seems to be the, the most vulnerable pitch you can throw. So – um, very curious. I mean, I feel like there's going to be a million names that come up and probably some unexpected trades that happen that we don't really foresee. Uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And uh, looking for some of these teams that see themselves as contenders really beefing up bullpens that uh, have been pretty weak for a lot of the season. We, we've talked about a lot of them so far, uh, but it's really a good, good way to see who's going all in and trying to, to make something happen. I imagine the Orioles will be trading away assets rather than bringing them in. But um, you never know with the the plunge that the Red Sox have been taking and, and seeing kind of what happens because it's going to be a big week and big weekend for, to really decide what's going to happen. Yeah, it's all really exciting. And we also have a great slate of games for Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and beyond for the weekend. Um, a lot of good matchups. And we have 14 games on Wednesday, Griff, that the people want to hear. Are you ready to kick us off here with our first game? I'm ready. Uh, we'll go Braves at Phillies, Charlie Morton at Kyle Gibson. Um, in what's looking like a pretty big battle for playoff spots, uh, Phillies currently chasing a wild card. Well, still pretty far out of the division race, but um, I guess until the fat lady or probably – until until a lady sings, probably can't say the F part of that. Uh, until a lady sings, it's not over yet. Uh, currently, I'm seeing uh, Charlie Morton as 140 favorite, 140 favorite on the road. Over-unders eight and a half. Uh, Kyle Gibson's really hard to trust at this point. He's gotten beat up pretty badly uh, in some starts recently. Had a good one, I feel like, in between getting absolutely bombed. Um, Charlie Morton, though, is starting to look like the Charlie Morton of old. Had a really slow start to the year. Um, and unfortunately, the Phillies, I mean, they got a big comeback win on Monday night after getting swept at home by the Cubs, who, as we've, as we've already talked about, are selling everything they can that isn't nailed down. So not a great start to the second half, but uh, should be a pretty competitive matchup. I just don't know that I can trust Kyle Gibson uh, trying to throw the ball past the, the power that's in that Braves lineup. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. This is the Phillies starting off the week now against the Braves. It ain't easy. And I'd say that this is the week. This is the week that's going to determine their season, whether they're going all in for this year or they're going to be selling a few pieces. Because I think a huge factor of them 
how poor they've been all year. Not only Harper being out for for almost two months, but you know, and also Girardi as well getting fired. But Nick Castellanos not being who, the hundred million dollar man that they signed him for is crucial. If you want Nick Castellanos, like Nick Castellanos, needs to wake up right now against the Atlanta Braves. It ain't going to be easy. And they are nine games out of the East. And I want to say they are in total, they are half a game behind in the wild card. It's still there. It's still, it still can happen. But if you get your ass kicked against the Atlanta Braves, which definitely can't happen, get ready to hear a lot of boos in Philly. Castellanos, get ready. It's going to be ugly, but I don't know. I mean, Morton and the and the Braves have been on, so I'm a little skeptical with the whole Philly thing here. Yeah, I think we're all skeptical. I'm still not sure if Nick Castellanos can actually hear the booze or not. He didn't seem to like to answer that question uh, no. after the game, but um, he'll probably be listening extra loud for the next set of them. And somehow Alec Bohm isn't getting booed anymore, even though he said he hated the town, so – I don't know how they let that one go. Trouble anyway, in paradise. Uh, moving on. Yeah, tr- trouble in, in cheesesteak land. Uh, move on next to Washington at the Dodgers. We have Patrick Corbin at an unknown starter. Uh, I don't know if you got one for the Dodgers right now. but I don't. Um, there is a number. There is a number, so we'll go with it. Dodgers are minus 250 favorite. <laughs> um, should probably not be surprising, even without with, with a ghost starting for them. Um, over under is nine. Uh, I forgot to mention, but best bets will be coming end of show per usual. Um, but anyway, Patrick Corbin is going to be throwing batting practice. The Dodgers lineup, you know, it's I, I've been a bit of a naysayer about that, that being their hardest or weakest link, and it's still looking like it, especially after watching Tony Gonsolin only get one run of support last night against these same lowly Nationals and then losing. Uh, the worst record in the NL beating the best record in the NL. Pretty crazy. Um, but I got to say, I have absolutely no interest in putting even my biggest or worst enemies dollars on Patrick Corbin here. I can't gr- agree more. Like that is, oh, I mean, I, I want to throw up in my, in my lap right now, looking at Patrick Corbin's line right now, four and 13 record, a six ERA. I mean, that is just nasty. Yeah. And I think a part of the Soto proposed trade, everybody, Corbin's going to go there as well. Wherever Soto goes, I'm assuming Corbin's going to go with them because the Nationals just can't deal with all the money they have to owe. So whatever whatever team that is, the Mets, Yankees, or the Cardinals, Padres, you're going to get a legendary player and one of the worst pitchers in the major leagues right now. So you take with that what you will. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stay away from this. I'm going to watch it. I want to see a home run derby again in LA, but I'm not going to be uh, betting on this game. Nowhere else to go but up for Patrick Corbin, a World Series champion, a nasty slider that has lost its nastiness. You know, could be one of those type of contracts where you just rip it up right away, but that's more of an NBA type of trade, I think. So I think you bring Corbin in, you try to get him with a sports psychologist, forget all his demons, and yep. see if he can start bouncing that slider again. Uh, next, we'll go San Francisco at Arizona. Logan Webb at Zach Gallen. Uh, currently, Logan Webb is a slight minus 113 favorite on the road, over under is eight. Uh, that looks like there's a lot of juice to the under. Um, two teams that uh, just don't seem to be very good, but Logan Webb's a good pitcher. Zach Gallen is somehow, uh, I guess his UCL is healed at this point, but 
Um, I'm interested in the home underdog just based on San Francisco not really being worthy of being a favorite on the road. Uh, but there's a big bullpen problem for Arizona. So I don't know how you back them because even if they take a lead to the end, you have Joe Manaply, an all-star somehow, but also a guy that loves to hang sliders right in the middle of the plate. And Logan West has been pretty good this year. So um, it's a home dog or nothing for me. And uh, I, I guess we'll see if, if some San Francisco money comes in and makes it a little bit easier for me to, to stomach uh, backing Zach Allen. So I don't also throw up in my in my lap as well. It's tough to bet on the Giants, right? Even with how Logan Webb has pitched this year. I mean, he's remarkable. I mean, a 2770 ERA is fantastic. And he's kind of taken his great postseason run from last year into this year, and he's been pitching great. And I was a little slow start to begin of the year, but the thing is, the fact that you have Logan Webb going on the mound, I just don't have confidence in the Giants because of how bad the bullpen is. Logan Webb can go seven solid innings, and they can lose. Because also the Giants' offense isn't that great too. They have some. They have some uh, like some holes. Actually, I feel like it's a lot of holes in that lineup. That a lot of swing and misses. And I know Zach Gallon isn't. He, he's not. You know, uh, Justin Verlander on the mound. But Gallon can get guys out. He's having a good year again. But like you said, like it, it's both. I think this is a weird game. It's going to be low scoring. And it's going to be a bullpen game at the end of the at the end of the game, and whoever's bullpen sucks the least is going to win. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't, well, I don't know. Very very nice of you. Very nice of you to bring up my uh, Cy Young pick in the AL, Justin Verlander at 25 to one. Uh, next we'll go Miami at Cincinnati. Braxton Garrett, who's been really hot lately, but uh, he's not facing the Pirates in this one, uh, and he's visiting Luis Castillo. And Castillo somehow is a minus 155 favorite at home. Um, I'm shocked by that number. Over-under is eight and a half. Uh, not expecting a lot of runs. Miami's been really struggling to hit, so that explains the plan a little bit. Um, but Luis Castillo might get pulled, like, in the third inning of this game because he's getting traded to one of the New York teams. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure because, I mean, I feel like Miami's been – I guess they were underdog to Lodolo last night. Um, to, to be fair, and their slight favorites, Pablo Lopez at Hunter Green for tonight's action. But for Wednesday's card, that, that's what we're talking about here. I really like the fish. Braxton Garrett's been pitching really well. Castillo has as well, but uh, it's a monstrous number to see anything with the Reds and a minus 155 next to it. Yeah, I agree. But you know, yeah, I, th- I think this could be a, a suspect game to even bet on. Mm-hmm. Being what you just mentioned, you said that Castillo, uh, you know, Luis Castillo can definitely be traded, which is definitely uh, something we've talked about and definitely can happen. The fact that his name's been rumbling the last two years in the Yankees conversation has been bothering me basically because I just want it to happen already. But Braxton Garrett has been pitching well, and the Marlins just stated today that everybody's tradable except for Alcantara. That's it. That's it. So this is going to be a wild game. It's going to be weird with not a lot of offense. I am also a little bit surprised with the favorite here, the minus 155 for the Reds. But I just be careful because you mentioned it perfectly, Griff. You you can be confident betting with the Reds going in, but this guy can get taken out in the third inning because he's getting traded, and then you have to rely on the Reds' bullpen for another six innings. And that is – I'd be freaking out. 
for six innings of Reds bullpen, uh, that that scared me. I mean, it, it's tough to predict that happening mid game. I sure. imagine they probably would it wouldn't, but you never know. Uh, I feel like in Cincinnati bullpen, everyone's available except for the kid brother of Diaz, uh, Alexis. I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, I imagine he's he's probably someone they want to keep because he's young. I think under team control, and it looked really good so far, but it's kind of floating between the seventh and ninth innings, depending on when the uh, heart of the order is up. Uh, next, we'll move to the AL, and one of the best names that I've seen yet this season, um, a man named Junk pitching for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, and he's visiting Brad Keller, currently Keller minus 128 favorite, over under his nine. And I got to say, for all the world's sake, for all the starving people out there, everyone dealing with economies that are really struggling, I just hope that Mr. Junk throws a really nice curveball. I can't say I've seen it, though. Well, Junk only has one inning of Major League. uh, Actually, he was in the Major Leagues last year. But this year, he only one inning, one strikeout. Last season, he started four games for for the Angels, 16 innings. 3.86 3.86 ERA, not that bad. Kind of like that a little bit. No, um, Now, Junk pitched in oh, – I'm sorry, that was the minor league ERA. Sorry. No, I'm uh, right. Um, no, I'm looking at the right ERA. There's a lot of numbers I'm looking at. I'm looking at a different statistic. But in Salt Lake City, this year in AAA, he's 1-3 with the 3.88 ERA in 48 innings pitched, 10 starts. Do you have confidence in, in Junk and this – horrible offense of the Los Angeles Angels against Brad Keller. Do you have faith in John? I mean, I have no idea what Brad Keller is going to do on a daily basis. I'm actually not sure if he knows what he's going to do. I think he, like when he gets out of bed, he might actually decide that he might get on the left side or the right side. And that probably determines how he throws that day. Cause I right. literally have no idea what he's going to do ever. I do feel like going against an angel lineup that's missing Mike Trout. I believe that he'll still be missing him tomorrow. Um, you really just have to avoid Shohei Otani and then face all the replacement players. But basically, the war stat has existed for this Angels team because no one is above replacement. Um, and the, when you think about these two teams, I mean, they're, they're pretty similar. They both have good closers, but getting the ball to the closer, I don't know how it gets there. I think I'd favor Brad Keller because he's a bit more of a known commodity, but it's not like he's a known good commodity. It just he might be really good. He might be really average. He might be really bad. And he's at least a name that we've we've known and we've watched. So I trust him by far more than Mr. Junk, though I'm really hoping he'll be making more appearances on this podcast because I feel like he's at, at 110 Central Time tomorrow. I think I might be listening to his start on the radio at my <laughs> office. Next we'll go Houston at Oakland, Christian Javier at Cole Irvin. Uh, Javier currently a minus 185 road favorite over under seven and a half. Uh, and that's pretty, I mean, these two teams, one is a contender for the world series. The other is a contender for the double a world series. I think based on roster construction, I think Christian Javier has shown that he's going to be moving back towards the bullpen sooner rather than later, but certainly can get some swings and misses in against these athletics. And I got to say, uh, as much as I don't really believe in Cole Irvin, he's had a really good year. He's not striking out many, but he's somehow surviving. He's going to use that park in Oakland to uh, 
probably throw up six innings and maybe give up three or four runs. Might do the the minimum quality start type qualifier, and that's all that really matters. I think he probably gets a, a bonus from uh, Billy Bean for that. Uh, but I can't say that I really want to back at Oakland because there's been better times to do it. I haven't been able to pull the trigger. And the difference in these two teams, especially if the A's won the first game on Monday night, I just I don't know that there's any way, even if you somehow did take the lead, uh, that you can trust Lou Trevino at the end of the game. Yeah, I'd say Christian Javier needs a, a bounce back start. He, you know, on July 21st, four walks against the Yankees three walks against the Angels, three walks against the Royals. This is a nice start for him to bounce back after a few, I guess, shaky starts. He's not really – he hasn't really gone the distance. The last time he went seven innings was on July 1st against the Angels where he let up one hit and one of those runs was a home run, and then he struck out 14. So I think this is a solid matchup for Javier to get back into the groove of things. Um, the lineup's not that strong. Javier has a heavy fastball, and maybe this could be the last few starts, like you said, until he gets maybe put back into the bullpen. I, I'm actually, I, I, you really are you confident enough that he, that from what you've heard, is he really going to go back into the pen? Because I feel like he's important for that rotation, unless the Astros go out and get somebody. Uh, you never know on pursuing contenders, teams of that nature, especially that they might trade for something. I just, I've watched it too many times to not, I mean, I've watched Christian Javier, despite looking like a good starter, get moved to the bullpen for the playoffs. I feel like he's still a young enough arm um, that they're trying to protect him. I will say that every time that Jacob Odorizzi throws, he's one start from getting hurt, which I think he got hurt last night in the loss to Oakland. Um, so that certainly paved a little bit more of a road for uh, Christian Javier to stay in the rotation. I just, I feel like it'd be a huge innings climb based on what he's done in his career for this season. If he stayed in it the whole year and ultimately in the playoffs with all the days off, you really need three starters, maximum four. Um, I don't know that he will fall into that area when he's, uh, I mean, he's the perfect candidate to come in and give you three innings out of the bullpen when a starter doesn't go very long uh, in the playoffs. So I feel like that's just one of those type of situations you don't want to leave behind. Next we'll go Texas at Seattle, John Gray at Marco Gonzalez, no line currently. Uh, I wonder if it's because Marco Gonzalez is short, is starting on short rest, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me out of the all-star break, but uh, I feel like he started pretty recently. I want to say on Friday, Um, John Gray has been awesome. So I'll, I'll look towards that side once we get a number. Next, we'll go Tampa Bay at Baltimore. Drew Rasmussen at Tyler Wells. Currently, um, Rasmussen is a slight road favorite, minus 117, over-unders eight and a half. And uh, this is a pretty big game for playoff aspirations as the Orioles are trying to hang on to a hope of the playoffs. Uh, got a good win last night against these same Rays. Um, didn't fare so well in the series against the Yankees, unfortunately. Could have gotten swept pretty easily, I feel like, if they didn't have that big comeback against Garrett Cole. Um, and there's got to be some concerns about Baltimore trading players away. Mancini seemed like he said he was on the way out um, with a tweet or something like that. And Drew Rasmussen's been very good. My big concern here, though, is I just don't think the Rays are very good. So uh, I'm curious what you think about this one. Yeah, you know what? Before the show, I was really looking into this because of how 
shaky the offense is for the Rays and what kind of groove and just an absolutely just like shocking turn of events how the Orioles have been this year. Watching the Orioles bullpen has been extremely entertaining. They have Jorge Lopez, of course, which he might be dealt in, in this week. I hope he doesn't. I love him in New York on the Yankees, but that's just not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, they have Bautista. They have the other Lopez. They have a few arms in that bullpen that can be a force to be reckoned with throughout the rest of the season, and I think next year as well. I think next year when you have a full season of everybody, it's going to be nasty. I think Bautista, their big, tall right-hander, throws – uh, a wipeout slot uh, splitter and hits one on one on the gun. If Lopez goes, I think Bautista could be the next closer for this team. They got arms around the clock. I think Wells has Wells can get it done against the Rays, but Wells has struggled in his last few starts, which is very important to uh, to note. In his, uh, I'm looking up his 2021 st- starts. I was looking up what his career was against the Rays, which isn't great, but. Most recent start on July 15th against the Rays, he went five and two thirds, three earned, and he struck out six Rays. And unfortunately, the Rays caught the win in that game. Drew Rasmussen, like I said, has been pitching really well. I just have a little bit more faith in the Orioles in this one. I might be talking about this one a little later. Oh, might okay. be. I mean, I, I, I do. I've been following Tyler Wells pretty closely this season. I did watch that game against the Rays. He. I mean, he seems to survive with a lot of pitches that hang at the top of the zone. I don't know if that's intentional and he's something that he's really good at or if it's just dumb luck that might run out. But, I mean, it's hard to hard to hate on back in the Orioles who've been playing really well. And the Rays just look like a, a shell of what we knew them as last season, the season before that, et cetera, et cetera. Next, we'll move Cleveland at Boston, Cal Quantrill at uh, – Mr. Eovaldi, who seems to either go deep into a game and throw a quality start or gives up nine-plus runs in two and a third innings. Um, but currently, Nate Eovaldi is minus 137 favorite. Over-under is nine. Uh, and I, I got to lean the Guardians' way. I don't love Cal Quantrill, but he's he's been okay. He's been serviceable this year. Um, and I, I did see that J.D. Martinez is coming back to the Red Sox lineup tonight. On Tuesday, so that's a good sign that he'll be in there on Wednesday as well. Bogarts returned for Monday's game, and they finally got a win after a really, really ugly series at home against the Jays. I, I do lean to the tribe, well, I guess what was formerly known as the tribe, to the Guardians here. I agree with you. And and the reason is because Nathan Valdi's last start was the big, the big L of the Red Sox season on July 22nd against the Blue Jays. Nathan Evaldi did not escape the third inning when two and two thirds, nine earned runs, nine fat ones. That's a big time L. His ERA boosted from a 334 to what it is now at a 430. The Red Sox are in trouble. They just keep falling. And if teams are looking for some pieces, I'd say Bogarts might be a, a last minute trade piece because Bogarts is on his walk here. It'd be interesting to see what the Red Sox do, but the, these are teams like the like I mentioned. The Guardians could be that third playoff team out of the American League that could make it. I don't think the Red Sox can do it, 
but you know, th- these are these are two teams that are desperately needing wins right now. Second half started. We need these W's, and I I think Evaldi might struggle a little bit in this start, coming off of a horrendous start. I mean, he's had some bad starts this year. He lasted being out of the second inning on May seventeenth against the Astros. He let up six earned runs, nine runs total. Um, so he's just he's letting up a ton of runs at a at a at a large clip. So um look out for that maybe. And let's see if the Red Sox can catch him fly balls in Fenway. Yeah, uh if it's Francis Cardell, I wouldn't expect it because I don't think he could catch anything. Uh next we'll go San Diego at Detroit, U Darvish at Tarek Google, the aforementioned trade candidate, trade bait, if you will. Uh currently as I pull up this number and make sure I didn't lose it. Currently, you Darvish is a minus 135 road favorite over under a seven and a half. Can't imagine at a uh, 110 Eastern time start, there'll be a lot of runs in this one. You uh, Darvish has been pretty good. I think even against the good teams, he keeps the team in it for sure. Um, re- weird start last night by San Diego and, and Sean Manaya, who I think gave up nine runs, but five of them were unearned after an Eric Hosmer error. Um, San Diego is tough for me to, to pin down, but I just think they're a bad offense. We know that the, the Tigers are a bad offense as well. So um, I don't really know that I want to get involved in the Tigers here. So I think it's under or nothing for me in this one. Darvish has been impressive his last two starts. He carved out the D-backs and he pitched really well against the New York Mets in his last start, which he beat me. I picked Scherzer in the New York Mets on in, in Darvish's last start. Uh, Darvish has been, I think, the backbone. I know, I know, Musgrove's been the guy for this team. He's been the pitcher, one of the best pitchers in in the National League right now. But Darvish, being the veteran pitcher in that rotation, has held things together when there was uh, people falling for the IL and some inconsistencies in that rotation. Look, Mackenzie Gorgeous at the IL today, and uh, Lamette just got called back up, so he's ready to go. But I think Darvish is going to continue this run of dominance that we're seeing the last few starts. And why not face one of the worst offenses in baseball in the Detroit Tigers and Scooble. This is, could be Scooble's last start in a Tigers uniform. And we might be, you, you, you could see another situation like we talked about with Luis Castillo comes out mid inning. And I wanted to mention before the likelihood of pitchers getting taken out mid inning when they're getting traded, it doesn't happen often. I, if the situation comes where a pitcher is about to start on game day, they'll get traded either after or before their start. And general managers and the front offices are smart enough to know where we want these pitchers before they start. So there's no risk of injury or injury or anything like that. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Darvish in this one. A little side notes there. Next will go. Yeah, probably not a huge surprise, but. Uh, I think I'd be with you. Comes to my head as well. Uh, next, we'll go Archer at Burns, the Minnesota Twins, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns still throwing really well. Chris Archer maybe giving you four innings. Uh, Burns, a minus 185 favorite at home, over under is eight. And a monster, monster, monster bullpen advantage uh, for the Brewers makes me feel like even if the Twins can get a lead um, through the first few innings, it's going to be tough to hold on to it. Because uh, the Brewers are probably going to keep that that Twins offense pretty quiet. Um, 
I'd like to back it, a Minnesota lineup that seems to be pretty decent, but uh, I just don't think it's for me in this one. I honestly thought this would be almost a $2 for the Brewers because of the comparisons of rotations and bullpen to the other team. I know the Twins offense is pretty damn good. Uh, Correa had a very good night the other night. But when you have Chris Archer on the mound, like you said, doesn't really go that long, doesn't go far into the bullpen. I mean, far into um, a start. And Corbin Burns has been dominant all year. Look at almost 150 Ks, and we're at the end of July. Uh, he's going to hit 200 easily in the next few weeks, probably. But yeah, I'm I'm rolling with the uh, the home favorites right now. I'm probably going to stick to it before game time starts. Next, we go White Sox at Rockies. Uh, Lucas Giolito at Antonio Senzatella. Currently, Giolito, who's uh, been mistaken for a gas can lately. Uh, he's Whoa. a 131 road favorite. I mean, go check his stats. They're pretty right. gross. Yeah. Um, whereas Sensatella is never, ever going to impress you. He's going to throw a fastball probably 80% of the time, which is very not 2022 baseball. But I mean, it, he plays on a bad team, so he gets away with it. But a lot of times he's pretty competitive. So uh, and currently, Giolito minus 131 on the road, over-unders at 11 and a half. Uh, they're expecting a lot of runs here. Uh, Colorado, they aren't great, but they play a lot better at home than they do anywhere else. They hit a lot better in that venue. And their bullpen, I mean, there might be some movement there. I wouldn't be shocked if Daniel Barr gets traded. Uh, he's been a closer now for three years, it feels like, even though he's almost lost a job every day, it seems. Um, I, I like the Rockies here, I got to say, plus 121. Wow. I I disagree with you because Sensatella is not a strikeout pitcher and this team strikes out quite often. So we might be we might see some nice bat on ball kind of uh kind of game for the White Sox. And I think a team that needs wins most of almost anybody. I know the Red Sox and Guardians we mentioned before, but um Red Sox and Guardians, excuse me, but uh, I think the White Sox need desperate wins, and if Giolito really wants to help this team win, this is a start you need to do. I know it isn't easy to pitch in Colorado sometimes, but let's try getting that ERA under five, huh? I mean, let's do something. Try helping this organization out a little bit. So I'm going to probably roll with the White Sox in this one. Well, as we know, everyone who needs something always gets it. Uh, next we'll go St. Louis at Toronto, Adam Wainwright, who, uh, probably could need, he might need some reinforcements on his team, but, uh, both Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt decided that they didn't want to get a jab. So they are not in Toronto for this series. And Kevin Gosman gets a, a, a nice little soft landing spot into what, what's still a pretty decent Cardinals lineup, but certainly no Soto yet. Uh, according to our breaking news from an uh, inside source that might be coming down, we'll see what happens there. But then also no Goldschmidt, no Arenado. That's a pretty good draw for the, the Jays, who surprisingly have, have done a really good job lately of uh, facing teams missing their best players, uh, even though the U.S. has the same vaccination rules. But anyway, Kevin Gosman, a minus 232 favorite at home, over under his eight. And... Uh, I don't know that there's any number that would make me want to back St. Louis here. I mean, some this number feels crazy already, but Wainwright's going to be throwing a curveball and hoping that that's good enough, and I just don't think it will be. Talk about timing for the 
Blue Jays, right? Blue Jays have been playing really well. This is exactly what you want. You're facing a good team in the Cardinals, yes, but the two best players and one of them being the MVP frontrunner right now, not on the roster, not in the lineup for the three games in Toronto. I mean, Jesus, uh, it's like a, it's like Christmas in July. Uh, you you are facing one of the better offenses in the league without the two best players. So Kevin Gosman has to be happy right now with his start on Wednesday. I agree. And last but not least, we have uh, – you might know being that you're still plugged in New York, but it looks like Domingo Herman started for the Yankees. I have nobody starting for the Mets. Do we know who might be uh, starting tomorrow by any chance for the Metropolitan? So uh, Buck Walter went on Carton Roberts with the afternoon drive show at WFAN, where I also work. And Buck did kind of the more of the uh, great manager uh, – Deeks, I guess he was asked, is Scherzer going to be ready for Wednesday? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I have no idea. I think so. You know, really not telling anybody. I think Scherzer will be pitching on Wednesday. I, I don't know for sure. I haven't talked to anybody directly, but um, I do have people in the Mets that I can talk to, but I, I, I haven't yet. But I think no matter what, I think the Mets might be the favorites in this game because Vermont stinks. He's so freaking bad. I do not like him. I think I don't know why people like him so much. Um, I mean, I I don't like him for one thing, uh, when it was off the field stuff, but um as a pitcher, his his only start this year on July 21st against the Astros. He got a five earned runs in three innings against the Astros. I know it's the Astros. I know that's the team that beat, beats up on the Yankees, but I'm not I I think he's extremely overrated. When he won 18 games in 2019. They were all on the road, basically, and he got with a four-year race. So I think he's extremely overrated. So uh, I think the Mets might have the upper hand in this one. I, I think it's just if what Scherzer on the mound for the Mets, I, I think that's the the definitive uh, the factor there. I mean, it's a very tough – if you're going to start against anyone on the road, fresh off the all-star break, in Houston, in the second of a doubleheader, seems to be a pretty tough spot to go. Um, and you're right. People like Domingo Armand because a few years ago, before his off the field stuff, he had a very good season. But it's been a while since that happened. He's been clearly through a lot. Um, I'm not apologizing for the guy, but I'm thinking that uh, against Scherzer, he'll definitely be an underdog. Uh, but I feel like with the Yankees and the way the lines are, I mean, even closing tonight with Jordan Montgomery closing a favorite at Taiwan Walker. I think there's a good chance if it's a bullpen game for the Mets, the Yankees might be favored here. Uh, and that would make me lean to the Metropolitans at home. But we'll see what happens. Uh, now we're at the best bets portion of our show. I'm going to let uh, my co-host, since he's been on a little bit of a run lately, go first. Uh, but before we get there, uh, give you a 25% discount code uh, for anything at pregame, essentially. It's good for seven days uh, from our podcast release. So you got a week from tonight. Uh, or probably from Wednesday when the the, sh- the podcast drops. But use the code DUGOUT25. Um, you'll be sitting in the dugout with 25 of your best friends at 25% off, whether you want to buy picks that I'm putting out there each night or any of the other handicappers at pregame.com. Please come in, enjoy the ride, find some picks, and hopefully win some money. DUGOUT25. And I'll give it to you, Taylor. You can take a, what is your best bet for Wednesday's card? My best bet for Wednesday's 
jam-packed card is going to be the Baltimore Orioles plus 106. Tyler Wells has struggled lately. His last two, two starts, uh, the Yankees on July 22nd, he lasted five innings, five earned. And then on July 15th, against these same Rays, let up three earned runs, just a shy under six innings. I, I think this is a, a nice start for Wells to kind of punch the Rays in the mouth this time, but he's pitching at home. Baltimore Orioles have been pitching really well as a team. They have clutch hitting, and I think the Rays are a little overrated. And I think that's not a shocking uh, statement there. I think they pitch really well, but they can't really hit that great. And I really am confident with how Baltimore's been playing, even when they played the Yankees, uh, staying in games, uh, clutch hitting, like I mentioned before. And I think Tyler Wells is going to pitch a little bit better this year and maybe a little revenge game after his start a few weeks ago against these same Rays. So Baltimore Orioles, Tyler Wells at a plus 106, 107, excuse me, plus 107 Baltimore Orioles. Let's go. Nice, yeah. And and I got to say, the O's late, if it's tight, um, as a home team and with that bullpen, they could be um, considered a favorite. So that plus 107 will look like a plus expected value type of or positive expected value type bet. Uh, for my best bet on this episode, I'm going to go a little different. haven't given a total in a while. I'm going to go with the Padres Tigers, you Darvish at Tarek Skubal. I'm going to go under seven and a half runs, uh, decent umpire draw in, um, I could have it as I lose it, in, in Mark Carlson, who's a, a veteran, has uh, worked a lot of playoff games. I feel like he's going to give a little whiff on the corners, getaway day. Um, so there could be some absentees from either of the lineups, um, Tigers, not sure it matters too much, but it certainly feels like a, a game that Miggy might take off. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, should be hot in the sun, but both of these pitchers trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. San Diego potentially going back to the West Coast. I don't think we'll see eight runs in this game. Um, as a general rule for unders, I would look for a first half under instead, so you don't have to worry about ghost runners late. Um, but since that's not available as we speak, I'll go under seven and a half. Uh, and then hopefully that will get you done for Wednesday. You can follow me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner. Feel free to slide into some DMs and at me with whatever you got. Um, love interacting with, with my people on, on Twitter. Uh, Taylor, give yours and get us out of here. All right, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Taylor, on, oh, just Taylor Ringgold. I'll also throw my Instagram. Twitter, you can follow me on Taylor Ringgold, T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-I-N-G-O-L-D. Instagram is Taylor underscore Ringgold. Video content is coming out quite often lately. You guys can DM us your fan questions or anything else. If you don't like how we talk about certain things, if you want us to talk more about something, there's other topics, let us know. Another great episode, 14 games on Wednesday's card. Two great best bets. Let's go for 2-0 this week, Griff. Episode 40 is now over. We will see you for episode 41 on Friday. Let's watch a lot of baseball this next Wednesday. I can't wait. Jam-packed card. We'll talk to you on Friday.